And turn to, uh, turn to Luke chapter 19. Our text is Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. As Pastor Bruce continues the series, Jesus came, reasons the Savior was born. We'll be reading uh, the story of Zacchaeus in Luke 19 verses 1 through 10. If you don't have a Bible, there is a pew Bible right in front of you. You can grab it. It's on page 604. Follow along with me as I read. Once again, it'll be Luke chapter 19 verses 1 through 10. Then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. So he ran ahead and climbed up into a sycamore tree to see him, for he was going to pass that way. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. But when they saw it, they all complained, saying, He is gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. Then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house, because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning and we thank you for your plan to send your Son and that the Son came into the world to, to save that which was lost. And just pray that, uh, just a gratitude for it, and we pray and, and ask that you would just have, help us to have open hearts and minds this morning and that you would be with Pastor Bruce as he brings the message and thanks you for his, uh, his preparation this week. And help us just to keep in mind, not only today, but throughout the rest of the season, Lord, uh, the gift of, of you sending your son into this world. In Jesus' name, amen. Oh, well, it's a celebration of Jesus coming to this earth, a celebration of Jesus being born. And for many people, it's their favorite time of the year. In fact, according to the Pew Research, more than 2 billion people in more than 160 countries consider Christmas to be the most important holiday of the year. In the United States alone, nine in ten people will celebrate Christmas, far outpacing other seasonal holidays. And while Christmas remains the most popular holiday of the year, research suggests the way we as Americans celebrate the holiday is actually shifting toward the secular. In the words of one journalist, more Americans are embracing the holly, jolly cultural parts of Christmas and shedding the holy and religious aspects of Christmas. And so for this reason, there is no more pressing question for us to consider this holiday season than this. Why did Jesus come? Why did Jesus leave the glory and splendor of heaven to come and be born in the ugliness and uh, pain and sin-filled world that we live in today. Why did Jesus come? It's a most crucial question for us to consider. For the reason Jesus came is a matter of eternal life and death. Now, thankfully, as we began this series last Sunday, and we saw last Sunday, we don't have to guess at an answer. The Bible tells us why Jesus was born. And what we're going to see this morning is that Jesus wasn't born to establish a holiday in His name. Jesus was born to seek and to save 
the lost. This reason comes from Jesus himself in Luke chapter 19, verse 10. And uh, as you're turning in your Bibles, maybe you have your Bibles already open to this passage. Uh, uh, if you're new here, I invite you to reach for the insert there. Uh, if you want to follow along in your notes, you're welcome to grab that insert and fill in the blanks. Uh, but the reason comes from his own words, what Jesus says in this one verse here in verse 10. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. And so what we have here in one simple sentence, we have the most profound statement on the mission of Jesus Christ. This mission was spoken by Jesus after encountering Zacchaeus up in a tree. And he says once again, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. What a simple statement we have. And yet, what a very profound statement this is of why Jesus came, why he was born. And so what I want us to do for the next few minutes is just kind of unpack that statement there. What does it mean? What do we have here in this statement? In what implications does it mean for us here today? Notice number one, we have the most magnificent historical fact. The most magnificent historical fact. Jesus has come to earth. The Almighty has entered the world. The infinite has become finite. The eternal has invaded time. Bible scholars call this the incarnation, which is a word that simply means God in human flesh. The Bible calls him Emmanuel, which is a name that means God with us. Jesus' birth differs from every other birth in that he voluntarily came in obedience to his Father's will. Listen, that cannot be said of you or even myself. We were born, but we had no choice in the matter. I was born in a small town, in fact, a small farm town in the middle of Kansas, out in the middle of nowhere to Tyrone and Ann Adrian. I had no say in it. I'm here by the choices made by my parents. But Jesus came according to the plan of God. The Bible tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, when the time had fully come, God sent forth His Son. And so every detail of Jesus' coming was planned by God the Father. Nothing happened by coincidence. Nothing happened by chance. And not just any man has come. Jesus himself says the Son of Man has come. Now that's an interesting term there that Christ uses, the Son of Man, for it emphasizes the humanity of Jesus Christ. This term tells us that God sent himself. He entered the human race in the form of a tiny baby while still retaining his deity. John chapter 1 verse 14 reminds us that the the Word, in other words, Jesus became flesh and He made His dwelling among us. C.S. Lewis gave this perspective on the importance of this very miracle here when he said, the central miracle asserted by Christians is the incarnation. They say that God became man. Every other miracle prepares the way for this or results from this. And so at the heart of our faith, the Christian faith, is this one Christmas truth here. Notice it coming up on the screen in your notes here. God has come down to us in the person of Jesus. We believe God became a man 
while still being God. This is the central truth of Christianity. And it is the point that separates us from Judaism and even Islam. In fact, both those religions reject the notion that God has a son and that God could somehow become one of us. But for Christians, it is impossible to speak about God without speaking about Jesus because God did what? God became a man 2,000 years ago. This is what we celebrate this time of season. As C.S. Lewis said, every other miracle leads to the incarnation or results from it. And so in this one statement of Jesus Christ, a simple but profound statement, we have a most magnificent historical fact. But we also, number two, we have the most spiritual significant mission. The most spiritual significant mission. This mission is clearly stated when Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to do two things, to seek and to save. Jesus came looking for something, or rather, we should say, Jesus came looking for someone. You say, well, what is Jesus like? Luke tells us in Luke 15 that Jesus is like this woman who lost a coin and she searched her whole house until she found that one missing coin. Jesus is like a shepherd who lost one sheep and that shepherd went out into the dark wilderness to find that one lost sheep. Jesus is like the father who waited for his prodigal son each and every day. And when his prodigal son came back home, he welcomed him with open arms. And so in this most significant mission, we see another Christmas truth here. Jesus came as the seeking Savior. This Christmas truth means that no matter who I am here this morning, Jesus came to seek me. Let that sink in. Jesus came. As we read the Gospels here, when we trace Jesus' life here on this earth, He came seeking sinners up a tree such as Zacchaeus. Sinners by Jacob's well. He came seeking those who were cult in adultery. He came seeking a demon-possessed man living in a cemetery. He came seeking the self-righteous Pharisees who thought they didn't even need Jesus. Jesus came seeking fishermen, politicians, tax collectors, blind beggars, lepers, rich men who had everything, and poor folks who had nothing. And when he was dying, Jesus came seeking the one hanging on a cross beside him. In other words, Jesus came as a seeking Savior. And we will never fully understand him until we see this clearly. But we also have another Christmas truth before us in this profound statement. We have the most perfect description of humanity. Jesus said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That is the most perfect description of our lives as human beings. That's the most perfect description. Lost. Search the pages of God's Word from cover to cover. Read all the stories of humanity from Adam's sin in Genesis to the final battle in Revelation. And then read the news from around the world and see if you don't agree with Jesus' words right here. People are lost without God. But what does it mean to be lost? Well, has your child ever wandered away in the grocery store? 
maybe at Target or Walmart. And a few seconds pass by, and then comes the cry from the next aisle, Mom, where are you? Well, that's us. That's what we are like. The prophet Isaiah reminds us in Isaiah 53, 6, that we all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. In other words, we all, by nature, we go our own way, we do our own thing, and we live our own life. No one has to teach us that. No one has to teach us to run from God. We were born running from God. We all want to do our own thing. We all go our own way. And we're like sheep who have gone astray and we don't even know it. Which means we don't even know that we're lost in our sins until someone comes from heaven seeking us out. And this brings us to another Christmas truth to consider. If Jesus did not come to us, we would never come to him. Some of you are familiar with the story of Zacchaeus here in Luke chapter 19 that actually precedes this profound statement of why Jesus came. What's interesting about this story is that Jesus is actually surrounded by two different groups of people, both of which are lost, both of which are in desperate need of his salvation. Consider whether you yourself here this morning, whether you are a rule breaker or whether you're a rule follower. Some people are known for breaking the rules. They have earned a reputation as a rule breaker. Zacchaeus himself is an example of this very kind of person, for he was a tax collector for the Roman Empire who collected money from the Jews. Back then, As you might imagine, tax collectors were more than just unpopular government officials. They were notorious for taking extra money in order to pocket them for themselves. And clearly, somewhere along the way, Zacchaeus has made a pretty good profit at his job. He and other tax collectors like him were known for breaking the rules indulging themselves by depriving others of much-needed resources. But then there's another group, and it's people who love to follow the rules. The religious leaders, the religious teachers of the day fit this description. The kind of people who do everything right to a T. These people prided themselves on keeping God's law, all while looking down on those people who break the rules, while looking up to themselves for how well they keep the rules. Now, if we're honest here this morning, each of us tends towards one of these two groups of people. There are some of us here who, well, let's be honest, we love to break the rules. And even inwardly in your own heart, you're like, yeah, that's me. That's me. In fact, I want to raise my hand right now and volunteer that information. That's me. We love to do our own thing. We love to go our own way. We want to enjoy what the world has to offer. We look down on those rule keepers because, hey, they are totally missing out on all that life has to offer. Or, on the other hand, there are some of us here this morning who do our best to actually keep all the rules. And you're like, yeah, that's me. In your heart, you know that's you. We strive to follow the law, even religiously, as best we can. We do everything we can to live a good, decent, religious life. 
and we look down on the rule breakers because, hey, after all, they're the problem with our society. Now, you know what the point of this story is? This story shows us that people who follow the rules and people who break the rules are lost and need to be found. This means no matter who I am or what I've done or what I haven't done, Jesus came to seek and to save me. Now, what are the implications of all this? What does this mean for us even now? Well, let me offer to you two implications that has life and death application for us here this morning. The first implication is this. Since Jesus came to save the lost, then everyone is lost in sin. Everyone is lost in their sin. The first step to receiving God's salvation is actually owning up to our spiritual condition. We are lost in our sins, and we desperately need to be saved. Now, most of us don't like to think of ourselves as lost. There's just something inherently within us that denies lostness. This last summer, uh, our family had the opportunity to go on a vacation down to St. Augustine Beach, Florida. And uh, I actually like to drive, and so we drove down to Florida, the 20 hours that it takes. And I'm, like, looking at the map, and and I'm telling my wife and and suggesting to her, hey, why don't we, you know, after we get to Atlanta, let's drive over to Savannah, Georgia. I've always wanted to see Savannah. And let's just go drive there. We can drive around the historic downtown there and see it, and then drive along the coastline down south to St. Augustine Beach. And so that's what we did. And let me tell you, if you've never been to Savannah, Georgia, it is a beautiful, beautiful old southern city right on the coast. It's known for these manicured parks, horse-drawn carriages, and antebellum architecture. Its historic district is actually it's filled with these cobbled stone squares and parks. And it's beautiful. And we drove around the historic district a little bit, and we saw all this and, and just enjoyed ourselves. And so... Uh, it's kind of off the main highway in which you have to then get back on to drive south down to Florida. And so now we're finished and we're, you know, we're getting back to the highway. And anyways, we're driving back to the highway. We found ourselves driving down this road, then turning down this road and driving down that road some more and making this turn some more and that turn and driving down that turn. And, and all the while, I'm hearing the mumbling by my, from the back seat drivers there that we are lost. And uh, and so, to which I replied, listen, boys, be quiet. I know where I'm going. The highway should just be right up here. And so we continue driving on and on and on until reluctantly I had to admit, okay, we're lost. I'm lost. Now, maybe you're not that stubborn when it comes to admitting you're lost. But the reality is that we're all that stubborn in a spiritual sense. We want to find our own way to God. Now, this is the fundamental error of every major religion in the world. 
They teach in some form or another that you can find your own way to God by following a man-made set of rules. And those who actually rebel against those world religions commit a very similar error. You make up your own rules for your own life, and in doing that, somehow you'll find the way. However, the Bible teaches that we cannot find the way to God on our own. Our condition is far worse than we realize. Just consider with me here some of the ways the Bible describes our lost condition apart from the grace of God in our lives. The Bible tells us that our minds are blinded. In 2 Corinthians 4.4, it says, The God of this age, speaking about the Satan, the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. We find in the Bible that our wills are distorted. Romans 8, 7 says the mind governed by the flesh is actually hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. The Bible tells us we are, we are spiritually dead. Ephesians 2, 1 and 2 says, And you were dead in the trespasses and sins in which you once walked. We are also told that we are children of wrath. Ephesians 2, 3 says, Among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. And then we also find in the Bible that we fall short of the very glory of God. Romans 3.23 tells us, For all have what? Sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And we are all, therefore, the Bible says, deserving of eternal death or separation from God. Romans 6.23, For the wages of sin is death. So it should be clear from these scriptures and more, that our biggest problem is not merely that I have just, well, I've messed up. Or I've made just a bad decision. Oh, no. Our biggest problem is that we are dead in our sins. We are actually rebels against the holy God. And we are completely unable to save ourselves. In short, we are lost in our sins. That's why what Jesus says in this one simple sentence is so profound and offers us great news here this morning, which brings us to the second implication. Since Jesus came to save the lost, then that means anyone may be saved. You know, it's good. Oh, it is good. When someone takes the initiative to help you in your lostness. Like when I was lost on vacation. My sweet wife took the initiative to get out her phone and put in the destination on her map app for me to follow. She's so sweet to do that. Knowing my stubbornness. It's good when someone takes the initiative to reach out to you in your lostness. And this is the beauty of why Jesus was born. Because when we were in our sins, lost in our sins, 
Jesus came to do what for us? He came to seek us and to save us. And for those of you who are new here to our church within the last six months, year or three years, whatever, listen, you, many of you don't know that I actually I met my wife here at our church. Great place to meet your future spouse, by the way. When Darla and I first began dating now, oh man, 28 years ago, long time, I pursued her in every way I knew how. I sat by her in church. I talked to her after church. I called her when we got home from church. I spent time with her away from church. Why? Because I was seeking her. And in a much more significant way, Jesus has done that for us while we were lost in our sins. He stopped and fixed his attention on us, much like he did with this tax collector named Zacchaeus. Jesus took the initiative to seek us out in the lostness of our sins so that we might be saved from our sins. Now, just think. The God of the universe has come. And he has come to seek and to save you from your sins. Jesus came to live the life that we were required to live but could not live because of our sin. Jesus was perfectly obedient to God in everything he did. And Jesus alone possesses the righteousness that God required. And along with his perfect, sinless life, Jesus also came then to die a substitutionary death. That is, Jesus died on the cross in the place of sinners like us. But Jesus did not stay dead. Three days after he was buried, Jesus Christ, the Son of God, rose from the grave, conquering sin and death. And Jesus did all this so that anyone may be saved. And since Jesus did all of this, then that also means we now are without excuse. Let me ask you, what excuse could you possibly offer up to God? That would satisfy him. How would you explain to God your rejection of his son, Jesus Christ? What sufficient reason would you have for saying no to God's own son? I mean, think how clearly Jesus put it in the most famous verse in all the Bible. John 3, 16, Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have what? Eternal life. Now, that wonderful truth, we might even call it that wonderful Christmas truth, is followed up two verses later by this solemn warning in verse 18. When Jesus says, whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only Son of God. Condemned. Listen, that's the state of the whole human race lost in our sins. But the good news is Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. So how then should we respond to this? 
How should we respond to the coming of Jesus Christ? Well, notice this in your notes and on the screen. Our response is that right here, turn from your sin. The biblical word for that is repentance. That is, we repent of our sin. We acknowledge, I'm a sinner, and I am lost in my sin, and I need help. I am hopeless and helpless in my sin, and I repent of it. I confess it, and I turn from it. And then you put your trust in Jesus Christ. That is your faith in him. You're believing in the person and work of Jesus Christ for you. So you turn from your sin. You put your trust in Jesus in order to receive the forgiveness of sins and the sure hope of eternal life. And so this morning, I plead with you to hear the joyful news of the gospel that Jesus came for you. Jesus came to seek and to save lost sinners like us. What Jesus said in Luke chapter 19, verse 10, this profound statement puts no limits on the grace of God. As Corey Tim Boone liked to say, there is no pit so deep that the love of God is not deeper still. And so you may have come to church this morning without Jesus. But the good news is you don't have to leave here without him. You may have come this morning with sin in your life, but the good news is you can go home forgiven with a clean heart and a new start. Do you realize that Jesus is a better Savior than you are a sinner? Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And since that is true, then anyone can be saved it is the power of the gospel that no matter who you are or how bad your sins may be you can be saved your past does not determine your future when jesus enters the picture if you are a sinner here today then jesus came to seek and to save you won't you respond to jesus won't you run to him and cry out in your hopelessness and helplessness, I need you. Turn from your sin and put your trust in Jesus to receive the forgiveness of sins and the sure hope of eternal life. Will you bow your heads with me? And let's pray. But before I pray, man, I want to encourage you to reflect on this very reason that Jesus came. And as you do, let me ask you a question here. Are you here this morning still lost in your sins? And if in your heart of hearts your answer is yes to that, then remember that Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. And that means you can be saved from your sins. Today, you can receive the forgiveness of sin and the gift of eternal life. This Christmas season, God invites you to turn from your sins and trust Jesus for your salvation. Man, if that is the the desire of your heart, if God is knocking on your heart, if he is calling you, then respond. And there's a simple prayer in which you can follow right there in your notes. You can put it in your own words or you can even take that and just cry out to Jesus right where you're seated, and pray to Him for salvation. 
for Him to save you and forgive you. Heavenly Father, we thank You that Jesus came. We thank You that we can celebrate that each and every day. And that He came to seek and to save sinners like us. And Father, Lord, we ask that You would grant us faith to believe and receive Him as our Savior now and forevermore. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. The music's going to play. And with your head still bowed, won't you respond? If you need to have your sins forgiven, if that's the desire of your heart, if you're willing to confess and repent, then cry out to Him. Pray to Him to forgive you and to be your Savior and Lord as the music plays. <laughs>